Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of John, chapter 16. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. If God be for me, then who can be against me? So we count it all joy. It's how we go through. See, you can go through a trial grumbling and mumbling and complaining and sound like a spiritual Eeyore. Well, I don't know. Well, I don't know. Maybe God's going to get us through. I don't know. It sure is gloomy outside. Or you can go through the trial with, hey, you know what? I don't know what's going to happen, but I do know that God is for me. I do know that I'm his son. I do know the Bible says that I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. I do know that I serve a God who will meet all of my needs according to his riches and glory. Not all my greed, but all my need. Write it down. According to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. So it's how, do y'all understand what I'm trying to say? Is how you go through a trial. Not just like you get through a trial. Because some folks just get through it. They just knuckle down and white knuckle it and they just get through a trial. And they all mad and disgruntled and you see them at your, how you doing? Fine. How's things going? Great. Really? Well, you don't look great. Well, I am. Don't talk to me. (laughs) How do you get through your trial? That makes the difference. You get through your trial trusting God, you'll get the blessing. And then when you get to the other side of it, I'm trying to help you. When you get to the other side of it, then you'll say, man, I'm sure I'm glad I trust God. I'm sure I'm glad I have faith in God because I pleased God as I went through this trial. And now I don't feel ashamed because then when you get to the other side and you feel ashamed, you go, you know what? I should have trusted the Lord all the time because he was going to work it out for my good anyway. And for his glory, I should have trusted him all the time. You see? So trust the Lord in everything. Count, reckon, consider it all joy. Turn your trial into triumph. But you got to Go through it, counting the joy, knowing whatever happens, God is in control. Well, Jesus begins this section in chapter 16 by repeating the warning that the world will hate the disciples because the world hates Jesus. Now, listen, this word world, I want you to write this down. This word world isn't the world that you see, like the cosmos, like the birds and the trees and the earth and water That's not what we're talking about, the cosmos. This word world refers to the world system. 
The world that is anti-Christ and anti-God. God looks at the world system and says it's corrupt. God looks at the world system and says it's dangerous and polluted. Jesus said the world that is anti-Christ and anti-God is going to hate you. James chapter 4, verse 4, write it down, memory verse. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy with God. In other words, you cannot listen to me. You cannot be a friend of the world system and a friend of God. It's impossible. Just like Jesus said, you can't have two masters. You will either love the one or hate the other. Our hearts are not made to be divided like that. Are y'all getting this? You're not made to be divided like that. You're not made to worship two gods. You're made to worship one God. Now, I say that you worship the one, the only true God, the God who has hands that can reach out and touch, the God who has, who has ears that can see what you're going through, the God who has a mouth that can speak. David talked about those gods. He said they have mouths, but they can't speak, ears, but they can't hear, eyes, but they can't see, hands, but they can't reach out and touch. These are idols of silver and gold, the work of men's hands. And they that make them are like unto them. But we serve one God. His name is Jesus Christ. We serve one God who can help us. And one God who can help us and will help us. But you cannot be a friend of the world system and a friend of God. Here's why. Because the Christian life, as we talked about it last week, did we not? The Christian life goes against the grain of the world. You see, the world says this, but the Christian says that. Have you noticed the world is minimizing and putting down men? And God's word honors men. Because men are important to the family structure. Men are important to the community. Y'all say amen. And thank God for the men. Say that. Say thank God for men. And, and women have their place, and the world is trying to mess all that up. The world's trying to mess all that up and twist up the family. And who's to say what a family is? A family is two people loving each other and loving, you know, the children and loving the cat. God says what a family is. One man, one woman, children. And everybody take their place in the family. And that's what we're going after here with the men's Bible study and the men's ministry. That's what we're going after. We're going after men who are willing to step up and be men and go against the grain of the world and not love the world system. That's who we're going after. Be that as it may, in verse 1, look at verse 1. These things I've told you so you won't be made to stumble. These things, what things? These things, right here in your margins, chapter 15, verse 18 through 25. Those things. That he was going to send another comforter of the same kind, class, and caliber, even the spirit of truth. That they should abide in him and you'll bear fruit. More fruit, verse 2. Much fruit, verse 5, chapter 15. 
Remember to keep my commandments and that would prove that you love me. Remember these things, that they should love one another and serve one another, that they should remember his example of humility and washing each other's feet and, 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 and that he was going to prepare a place to uh, eventually receive them unto himself. Remember these things, these things I've spoken unto you. Jesus looked at his disciples and said, you have no idea what's coming, so let me get you ready so you don't stumble or stagger. I told you so when it happens, you won't be surprised. Jesus says, I told you so you'll be equipped for battle. I told you these things so that your eyes will be open. I told you because when I leave, it's only the beginning. The hostility and the hatred that the world had for me is going to be directed at you. And it will be directed at all those for all time and eternity who represent me. Jesus is saying, I told you because to be forewarned is to be forearmed. To be forewarned is to be forearmed. And sure enough, Jesus was right. Because all the disciples except one died a martyr's death. We pointed that out last week. And look at verse 1 again. I like the way King Jimmy reads verse 1. These things I have spoken unto you that you should not. Anybody reading King Jimmy? King James. King James Version. It says these things I have spoken unto you that you should not be offended. Anybody reading that? It says offended, doesn't it? The Greek word for offended is scandalizo. Scandalizo. We have the word what, saints? Scandalize, exactly. Offend. It literally means a bait stick that held up a trap. If you wanted to catch a prey, you would put bait on a stick. And when the animal would pick up the scent of the bait, he would hit the stick and with the bait on it and the trap would come down. The scandalon was the trigger that pulled the trap down. Matthew chapter 13, verse 20 through 21. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. And yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he does what, saints? Stumbles. That word stumbles is scandalizo, offended. Jesus said, when the word went out, some received it with joy. But when the persecution and pressure came because of the word, some were scandalized and some were offended. Jesus is saying, men, I'm telling you this, that you might not be caught off guard, that you might not find yourself moving about the world, not realizing that there's a trap set for you. Jesus says, I don't want you to get trapped without even knowing it. And is there anything more true then this statement right here, Christians are being trapped and they don't even know. You know, I'm in my office yesterday and I'm studying and I'm preparing this teaching. And all of a sudden I saw just, I don't even know why. I just saw a, a park, a bunch of Christians running around in the park and like bouncing balls up in the air. You know, you're just having a fun time bouncing the balls up in the air. Wee, bee. Christians bouncing the balls up in the air. And I thought to myself, you know what? Some Christians are living their lives just like that. You're, you're, You're going about in your life, bouncing the ball up in the air, not realizing that the enemy has a trap set for you with your name on it and your family's name on it. But you're bouncing the ball up in the air, having you a good time. I've told you this before, haven't I? The Christian life is a battleground, not a playground. 
Can y'all get that? The Christian life is a battleground, not a playground. And so many Christians are trapped. So many Christians walking around getting trapped because they're moving throughout this life not realizing that the enemy has a trap for them. So many Christians fall into that trap. Like what? Not reading your Bible. That's a trap. Y'all need to say a better amen than that. Not reading your Bible is a trap. Don't you realize Satan doesn't want you to read your Bible? And he will make sure you don't read your Bible by making you so busy that you don't have time to read your Bible. You really don't have time to read your Bible. But he's got you so busy. You got to do this. You got to do that. You got to go here. You got to go there. You got to take the kids to, 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 to school and you got to get breakfast ready. You got to get lunch ready. And then you got to change the diapers and then you got to restock the diaper pen. And then you got to go to, to work. And when you come back from work, you got to clean the, 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 the laundry and you got to clean the kitchen and you got to make the rice and gravy for, for, the, for, the, for, the, for the dinner. And so you go with hamburger helper because it goes quicker. And then, and then you're, just, and you're just all over the place. It's third service. Pray for me. You're all over the place. He doesn't want you to read your Bible. Because if you don't read your Bible, it's a trap. Listen, disobedience to God's word is a trap. You want to marry someone who is not a Christian is a trap. I've heard it. Can more than four people say amen? Gosh, I need y'all. I need you. I've heard it a hundred times. Oh, Pastor Rodney, oh, I'm getting married. Really? Oh, that's great. Y'all know, my first question is going to be, is he a Christian? They go, well, um, um, <laughs> well, uh, well, uh, uh, well, you know, he, uh, he goes to church. Yeah, but is he a Christian? Well, you know, we're we working on that. We're working on that. Let me tell you something. If you marry that man and he is not a Christian, that is a trap. That is a trap of the enemy. Because it flies in the face and disobedience to the word of God where God says that we are not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. Listen, I'm trying to help somebody. I'm telling you, it's not going to work. It's not that I wish it doesn't work. I just know it doesn't work like that. If he doesn't love Jesus... You're not going to get him to go to church and all of a sudden because you're, you and your spiritual self go to church and you're going to preach the Bible to him, all of a sudden he's going to come to love Jesus. That ain't going to happen like that. As a matter of fact, you're going to marry him and guess what's going to happen? He's going to turn on you. He's going to turn on you. Because light and darkness can't mix. Oil, oil and water can't mix. Fire and water can't mix. Christ and Belial so your spiritual life, your godly life is going to be a conviction to him. It's going to cause problems in the home. And then what about the children that you do bring into the home? It is a trap. Listen, not listening to the counsel of the Lord is a trap. You know my story. 
Before coming here to North Carolina, God had been showing me through visions and dreams and showing my wife through visions and dreams that we were to move to the East Coast. We were out at, on the West Coast, and I was at a Calvary Chapel, and I was serving the Lord, and I was, I was uh, enjoying serving the Lord. I, we had a youth ministry, and, and we, were, we were doing awesome. I loved doing what I was doing. I was happy. And, 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 and God started speaking to me about coming the, the, the North Carolina, the pastor of church. And, and, and I'm like, I don't know. Maybe that's bad pizza. I don't, you know, I don't know. That can't be the Lord. I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I, you know, I, I hadn't been in pastor training. I didn't know anything. I, I barely made it through 12th grade. I mean, I mean, <laughs> mom, you don't need to clap so loud. That's my mother. Yes. That boy, my mother used to tell me, you remember you used to tell me this, you used to say, Rodney, you used to say, that mouth of yours, you used to say this, right, that mouth of yours, that either God's going to really, really use you, or, or somebody's going to kill you, boy. Remember you used to say that? And thank God, God really used me. <laughs> Because God, I have always, you know, I've always been this way. I have always, have I not, I was always keeping it 100 before anybody ever said keep it 100. All but to you. Yes, right. Mom said all but to me. I'm out in California. We're doing the work of the ministry. I'm happy. God calls us into the ministry. I said to my wife, I said, we're going to go to the pastor and we're going to ask the pastor, what does he think? And whatever the pastor says, that's what we're going to go with. Because I have always believed in submission to the leadership that God has put over me. I have always believed that. And I always believe that if I can sit in that pew and that man preach the gospel and you go, amen, 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 write it down, amen, oh yes, oh yes, that man preached that sermon, oh yeah, for years and years. But then when you come to me and ask me something and I tell you something you don't want to hear, then you'd be like, talk to the hand, I ain't listening. <laughs> well, what's that? You either trust me as the man that God put over your life as a spiritual shepherd to lead you and to give you God's counsel and give you God's will, or not. And if it is not, then go find another church where you can be under some leadership. So we go to the pastor. And I said, sat down. I said, Pastor, what do you think? I feel like God's calling us to go to the North Carolina. I think it's bad pizza. Elvira, I think it's the Lord. And he said, he looked at me, he said, you know what? I think it's the Lord. And I went, (laughs) because I was happy doing what I was doing. I was happy serving the Lord. But when he said that he felt that God, then God began to move things around. Now, you might be thinking, well, what if you trusted that man to go to him for counsel and and he told you something that maybe it wasn't the Lord? Listen, you don't have that to worry about because God, when God has a plan and God has a purpose, God's plans and purpose cannot be thwarted. You can't mess up God's plan because you say something different than what God says. If you say something different than what God says, God will maneuver things around to get things done because we're talking about God. We ain't talking about you. You can't do nothing. 
Amen. Look at your neighbor and tell him you can't do nothing. But God can do all things because he's a mighty God. So I can trust him. I can trust the counsel that he gives me. And then I don't fall into the trap of not receiving the counsel of the Lord. So important. Ten godly people, you got a situation, and ten godly people tell you the exact same thing, and yet you go and do your own thing. That's a trap. There is a wisdom and a multitude of counsel. You need to learn that. And if you feel a certain way, you feel some type of way about whatever, then you go to somebody you trust. You go to a couple of two, three people that you trust, and if you hear the same thing, Coming from three different people, you can bet that's the word of the Lord to you. You need to learn to trust that. And if you don't, I'm waiting while you clap your hands. And if you don't, it's a trap. I'm going to say this. Listen, Little League sports is a trap. Yeah, I said it. Little League sports is a trap. Have y'all noticed? The people, the little league sports, the the games, the practices, they're all on either a Wednesday or a Sunday. Don't you see something really? Maybe I'm just a conspiracy theorist. I don't know. But don't you see something odd in that? Why? It's taking families and children away from God. Away from the things of God, away out of church. And so I see people and they, you know, I see them. Hey, I haven't seen you in a while. Where you been? Well, you know, we've been on the road and we've been here and we've been there. And some of these sports are not cheap. I mean, some of them are not cheap. I was talking to a friend. It costs hundreds of thousands of dollars to do um, the, um, um, uh, what's, what's that one thing uh, where they hit the, hit, the, hit the puck, hit the puck? Hockey, 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 hockey. Hockey, that's a funny word, hockey. <laughs> hockey. And you go, well, where you been? Well, you know, we got the kids, we're going all over here, and they hockey this and hockey that and hockey this, and oh, yeah, they're almost a professional. I asked your church light, how you been? He ain't been in church in so long. You know, they say the doors of the church is always open. You ain't been there so long, you're going to have to knock. A trap. I've always said to my family, whatever you're doing, if it takes us out of the things of God and out of the house of God, we don't do that because we're not, we don't do that because we're not going to fall into the trap of the enemy. The trap of the enemy to take you away from the things of God, to take you out of church, to take you out of hearing the word of God so you can be built up and be strong. Because let me tell you something. The Bible says that heaven and earth shall, uh, heaven and earth and the word of God will endure forever. The hockey will not endure forever. Y'all say a better amen than that. Hockey will not endure forever. Heaven and earth and God's word shall endure forever. And if what you're doing takes you away from the things of God, it's a trap. Scandalon. You got to get your eyes open. Ask God, God, help me to see that the enemy, what traps the enemy is trying to set before me. Some guy walk up to you and he want to get your phone number. That might be a trap. I'm trying to help you. All right? Give him the wrong number. 
Hallelujah. <laughs> Chapter 15, Jesus told them that they would be persecuted. Now look at verse 2. Chapter 16, look at verse 2. Jesus is giving them details on how they'll be persecuted. They will be put out of the synagogues. Yes, the time is coming that whoever kills you will think that they're offering God a service. Jesus says they are going to unsynagogue you. Now, remember, I told you, if you've been with me, to be unsynagogued meant that you were cut off from a life of Israel. Remember the blind man? They wanted to unsynagogue his parents because they couldn't explain why the blind man could receive it. John chapter 9, they, why the blind man could receive his sight. And the parents didn't want to become unsynagogued. And so they said, hey, we don't know, ask him. Because they knew what it meant. To be unsynagogued meant that you were cut off from the life of Israel. You lost your ability to pray to God. You lost your ability to be blessed by God. You lost your family. You, you would be treated as dead. If you were unsynagogued, that meant social, relational, financial, spiritual, and even practical bankruptcy. Jesus said the persecution will be so bad and they will be so deceived that they will think that killing you is doing God a favor. Last week, we talked about the disciples were all martyred except one. And the thing that I want you to understand that I didn't have time to point out last week is that these men didn't become martyrs when they died a physical death. They became martyrs when they decided to follow Jesus. You see, by definition, a martyr means to give one's life. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.